Let's open up our Bibles now to Psalm 103. Verse 5 is the text that we'll consider together. Now let's read the whole of this psalm. This is God's word. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so far we read, let's go again to verse 5. And that's our text. I'm going to read verse 4 with it, not because verse 4 is part of the text, but because I'll be talking about verse 4 for a few moments during the course of the sermon. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, and now this is our text, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles.
Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, I've been going through Psalm 103 in applicatory services in Heritage in Sioux Falls. And now as you have an applicatory service, I'd like to bring you one of those messages. It's appropriate to go through Psalm 103 after the celebration of the Lord's Supper. After all, our Lord's Supper form after we partake, jumps in those paragraphs into a few verses of Psalm 103. And can't you just sing those words in your soul after you've just partaken of the bounties which the Lord has provided for you? If you look at the psalm itself, we're going to come back to this, but there's a theme which unites all these verses. And that theme is the mercy of God. You can't read Psalm 103 without coming away with a deep impression that it often and powerfully brings out God's mercy. It's like a golden thread that winds its way through these verses. When the psalm begins, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's as if the psalmist, David, takes a 35,000-foot view when he begins the psalm, and from way up and in a very broad way, he looks at all the benefits that the Lord has bestowed upon him. And he considers them in a very personal way. Now after you get out of verses 1 and 2, now he comes down to a lower elevation, as it were, to consider specifically, one by one, what these benefits are. So for example, just read verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. There you have two specific benefits that the Lord gives to his people. Our text, verse 5, is about a bountiful feast. How the Lord gives to us many, many good things for us to partake of by faith. And may it be that the Lord, even in this very hour, as the preaching of his word goes out, that you would be fed in your soul of these many good things. Let's take as our theme, satisfied with good. In the first place, the reality. Secondly, the result. And then briefly, the response. The text before us, and the context can be best understood with the use of an illustration. So I'm going to use an illustration now for a few minutes. You must imagine a man in a deep, dark, narrow pit. Can you children see that in your mind? There's a man way down inside a hole of the ground. Over here, 
is a palace with a king in it. On the outside of that palace, that's where the hole is, and the man is down in there. Outside of the palace, away from the presence of the king. That man, down in that crevice, cannot get out of it of himself. As far as he's concerned, it's totally inescapable. It's a hole of ruin and destruction and misery. And the man who's down there in that pit, he's the one who's to blame for being down there. But there's the king in the palace. Even though he's not obligated at all to do so, what that king does is he does all that's necessary to secure that man's freedom from the pit. Everything that has to be done to secure that freedom of the man, the king in the palace does that. Then he brings the man out of that hole, but there's even more. He takes that man into his palace so that the man enjoys the very presence and friendship of the king. And if you say, that's wonderful, the king is going to do something else on top of all of that. He's even going to sit the man down at his very banqueting table and give to him all the royal food and the drinks, and the man can sit there at the royal table and eat the food of the king. That illustration helps us to understand the truth before us in the context and in our text tonight. Just as that man is in a pit, hole in the ground, so also the verse right before our text speaks of a pit. If you look at verse Four, it talks about Jehovah who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Destruction there is in the Hebrew, pit. And if you should ask, what is that destruction? What's that pit that verse 4 is talking about? It's this. It's a figure for spiritual death. It's a figure for eternal death in hell. And it refers to the actual hole in the ground that we call the grave. Spiritual death, hell, and the grave. And you can unite all three of those words with one word. The pit or the destruction referred to in verse 4 is death. Death in all of its senses. Just like that king in the palace did what was ever necessary to secure that man's freedom from that hole in the ground, so also God the King has done what's ever necessary to secure our freedom from that pit of death. Verse 4 says that he redeemeth thy life from destruction. You know how that works, of course. Redemption is only in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
by that exceedingly precious blood, God bought us. He purchased us. We're redeemed with Christ's blood from the pit. And now, having redeemed us with that blood, he does everything necessary to secure our freedom from spiritual death, hell, and the grave. We're redeemed. But remember the illustration. Not only was that man, did the king do everything that was necessary to secure his freedom, but he was then actually taken out of the hole and brought into the palace in the presence of the king. And that's what God does for us. He brings us out of the crevice of death into his very friendship and fellowship. That's the end of verse 4. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. You can picture the psalmist and you, your soul, as having a crown on your head. And the crown is the mercy of God. What does that mean, this? That the Lord has such compassion and mercy upon you and me that not only does he take us out of the black hole of death, but he exalts us to exceeding heights of blessedness, so high, in fact, that he has brought us even unto himself in his own presence and fellowship to enjoy his friendship both now and forever. That's how high he's exalted us in his mercy. We indeed wear a crown of mercy on our heads. He's honored us, exalted us to a great degree. But remember, in the illustration, the king didn't just secure that man's freedom and then take him out of the pit, and he didn't just bring him into his own palace to enjoy his presence. The king even went so far as to sit that man that he saved at his own banqueting table to eat of his food and drink of his drink. And now that detail is our text. Verse 5. God has taken us and set us at his banqueting table, as it were, to eat the feast of things that he's given to us. And what a feast that is. Literally, verse 5 reads this way. Who satisfieth thy ornaments with good things. You say, well, that's puzzling. What does that mean? I can understand the way the KJV has it. He satisfies thy mouth with good things, but what does it mean that he satisfies thy ornaments with good things? Well, that's a bit confusing at first. Until you come to recognize that ornaments in our text is the same idea as crowning in the verse right before our text. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And we learned that that means he puts his mercy on your head. He honors, he exalts you in his compassion to such a high degree, even to dwell in his very presence. And so now, when our text says, he feeds your ornaments, he satisfies your ornaments with good things, it's simply saying, you, 
who have that ornament or that crown on your head, he also feeds you at his table. What are those good things that you, crowned with God's mercy, eat of? After all, the text speaks of that. Who satisfieth thy mouth or ornament with good things. He's, as it were, exalted you into his presence, brought you to himself, set you at the table. So what are you eating there at that table? First of all, this good which satisfies our soul is Jehovah himself. That ought not to come as any surprise. After all, the psalm breaks out already in verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, that's Jehovah. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That Lord, that Jehovah, is good. He is so good. And now I'm going to say something about God's goodness similar to what I said about his love this morning. Goodness is one of God's attributes. Even if God did not show goodness outside of himself, it would still be true of him that he's good, infinitely, eternally, perfectly good. And if you were to ask the question, what really is the goodness of God? It's this. It's the sum total of all his attributes. Think of attributes like grace and love and mercy and justice, and the list could go on. When you put all of those together as one total, you have the goodness of God. God is so good, and he is that in himself. Now, you understand why the psalmist in Psalm 34, verse 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what he is. Now, you can understand also why our Belgic Confession, already out the gate in Article 1, not only identifies God as good, but even goes so far as to say he's the overflowing fountain of all good. For you to be in his presence, to enjoy his fellowship, to have him in the fullness of who he is and to belong unto him now and forever, that is a feast for the soul. That's the good thing which satisfies That's first. Secondly, this good with which our soul is satisfied, the good thing of which we partake, is Jesus Christ. That's no surprise either. Christ is, as we heard this morning, the only begotten Son of God in the flesh. And as this one who is the only begotten Son of God in the flesh, 
he perfectly and beautifully and fully radiates from him all the attributes of God. Jesus Christ is so perfectly good. For you to be united to him, for him to be your Lord and Savior, and to have saved you, that is satisfaction for the soul. And of that we partake. You remember Lord's Day 1. What is thy only comfort in life and in death? That I in body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. You belong to your faithful Savior. That's the good thing of which you eat and which is satisfying. Third, the good of which the text speaks, of which we eat at the banqueting table, is the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. Remember how I just said that Jehovah's goodness is the sum total of all his attributes when you put them together? Well, one of those attributes is mercy. You can't read, as I said a few minutes ago, you can't read Psalm 103 without coming repeatedly upon this idea of the mercy of the Lord, which is why I mention it here as part of that good which satisfies us. Mercy is so beautiful. It means that God sees you, beloved, in your misery and in your woe. And he takes pity on you. Such compassion. But then the mercy of God is not just his compassion and pity that he has on you, but he has an inward desire to deliver you. And whatever God desires to do, he certainly will do, and no one will frustrate his will. And so he takes you out of the depths and out of your misery and your woe, and he delivers you to such blessed, exalted, awesome heights. He does that in his power. That's what the mercy of God is. His pity, his compassion, and that he exalts us to the supreme degree that you know his mercy, that you are assured of it, and that you experience it very really for yourself in your life, that's a banquet. And that's the good, which is all satisfying. What is this good of which we partake? God himself, Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, the mercy of God in Jesus Christ, and fourth and finally, what it is that we eat, as it were, and what it is, this good that satisfies our soul, are the benefits of the Lord. I mention that because that's how the psalm begins, remember. Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. His benefits are these bountiful, spiritual things that he deals liberally out for us. So many benefits. Just look at verse 3. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And he heals all your diseases. That's referring to sanctification. He, he makes you holy. And that's just two benefits. And the psalm is going to go to trace so many more of them. God has given, showered upon you with waterfall after waterfall, all of these various benefits. And when he does that, that's the feast for us, and that's what we eat, and it's satisfying for our soul. That's the good. You eat these things. You partake of them. That's, of course, implied when it says, and we're going to get to this word in a moment, he satisfies you with these good things. Well, that means that you first must partake of them. And the question is, how do you partake of those spiritual things of which we have just heard? What does that actually mean? I think even the boys and girls here know that we're not talking about getting a spoon and fork out and a dinner plate and taking something in with our physical mouth. That's not what we're talking about at all. How do you partake of spiritual things? By faith. Have you ever read our Belgic Confession where it very helpfully calls faith the hand and the mouth of the soul. That's a wonderful way to describe faith. Faith is God's gift to you, earned at the cross of Jesus Christ, and your faith is like the hand and mouth whereby you feed upon these spiritual things for the nourishment of your soul. Does that transform the way you think about worship services and coming to church and sitting under the preaching? This is a meal for me so that as I consciously, actively sit under that preaching of the truth of God's word by the hand and mouth of my soul, take hold of those tasty gospel morsels for my feeding. And you think as well of the Lord's Supper this morning, and when you as a believer at the supper partake by faith of these spiritual things of the gospel. So here you are, crowned soul, highly exalted, at the table, having eaten these things, partaken of them by faith, What's the result of that then? What results from that? 
there's a twofold result that the text teaches us. And the first result of the crowned soul at the banqueting table, having partaken of these good things, is satisfaction. So it says right at the beginning of verse 5, who satisfieth thy mouth or thy ornaments with good things. To be satisfied is to have enough, to be full, filled, to have your plenty of something, and to have your needs truly met so that the children understand. Maybe you sat at lunch today after the morning worship service and you ate a good meal that mom made, and then you scooted away from the table and you covered your stomach and you said, ah, I'm satisfied, meaning I'm full, I've had enough. Jehovah is the one who makes us satisfied, us to have our fill and our deepest needs met with the good things that we've just heard. And I'd like to emphasize that to you. When you read the text, it literally says, who causeth thee to be satisfied. The idea being, the Lord is the one who brings this satisfaction about. That's quite something, and we learn something there. He's not only the one who gives the spiritual food, and he's not only the one who gives us the faith whereby we partake of the food, he's even the one who makes us satisfied once we've partaken of it. You see, from A to Z, it's all of the Lord, all his work. Those good things, beloved, are the only ones that truly satisfy. To have the Lord... To be in his presence, that we belong to Jesus Christ, our faithful Savior, that he's so merciful to me, and that he gives me so many benefits out of his mercy, those are the only things that will ever truly fill you up so that you can say in your deepest heart, I am truly satisfied and my needs have been met. And it's exactly because these are the only things that will ever satisfy us that we desire them more and more, that we're hungry for them every single day, and we want to partake of them more and more. Did you come to church this evening? Hungry? Not for cookies and bread, but for the living bread. Do you get into your Monday and your Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, day by day, do you wake up in the morning hungry for these spiritual things of God? And do you have those kind of stomach pains, as it were, when you come to the Lord's Supper too, knowing that these are the only things that will ever actually fill my needs? I hunger for them. May that be 
true of us by God's grace. That does lead to a challenging question, and I direct it first to myself, but also to you. Where are we looking for satisfaction? Every single one of us here has a sinful nature. Part of that sinful nature is idolatry. That's a part of that DNA. Seeking after idols, seeking after things that we perceive to be our gods to try to fill us up and looking for satisfaction other places. What am I pursuing that's not God and his Savior, his mercy and his benefits? Is it for me that food, physical food now, has become that thing that I'm looking for? Do I hit the bottle? Do I go to entertainment and pleasure and sports and hobbies and think to myself, this is what I truly need for my soul? What are you chasing after? But you see, beloved, when we go after these things and seek to partake of them, that leaves us famished and empty. I know that's my experience, and I'm sure it's yours too. And you see that in the world all around us. So that people want to be filled up with fame. They go after money. They gamble. They go after sex and sports and exercise and human relationships and entertainment. And when they come after these things, they discover that they're emptier than even before they went to them. And then, well, this thing doesn't satisfy me, so I guess I'll go to the next thing. And this thing leaves me famished, so I'll go to the next thing. And they just go as along a trail, one thing upon another. Do you ever wonder why there's such a high suicide rate in our society? And why so many people throw up their hands in despair They chase after so much that will never fill them up. Never. And we can do that too. And we have to be redirected, reoriented, and probably every Lord's Day, my satisfaction can only come from above. That's the first result of eating the good things that God provides, satisfaction. The second result is that our youth is renewed. That's the end of the verse. Who satisfieth thy ornaments with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. We all know what youth is. It's that time of early life. Whenever someone, usually at least, is in the early part of their life, then 
They have strength and vigor and they're fresh and they're new and they've got a lot of energy. That's someone in their youth. So what does it mean that someone's youth is renewed? There you are, soul, fed, satisfied with Jehovah and Jesus Christ and mercy and spiritual benefits. And now that results in your youth being renewed. We're not talking here about getting younger. If you're 70, you're not going to become 69. If you're 29, you're not going to become 28. Not talking about becoming younger in years, but rather this. Like a young person is strong and vigorous and fresh and new and energetic, so also our soul, when it's been fed with these good things at Father's banqueting table, so our soul spiritually becomes new, strong, vigorous, fresh, energized, reinvigorated. That's what it means for the soul to be renewed. And the word of God here gives a beautiful comparison. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. Don't know if you know this about those birds of prey. Eagles go through what is called molting. You can look it up on the internet if you'd like. Very interesting. They go through different feathery coverings, you might say. During the molting process, what happens is the eagle, which has its original old feathers on it, sheds those old feathers and grows new ones. Molting is a pretty complicated process. They don't even understand it all, but that's the basic idea. Shedding of old feathers and growing of new ones so that when you see an eagle who's gone through that process, you might say, ah, that bird looks now reinvigorated, renewed, made stronger, and has become fresh. Like the eagle goes through that process, so also our soul is made strong and renewed and freshened by the things that Jehovah gives. The fact that your soul and mine needs to be renewed implies that it can become broken down. In fact, this word renew in our text is used in another place of the Old Testament to refer to a broken down city that's been repaired. Do you ever feel inside like you're a broken down city? You can feel that way when trials come your way. So that sometimes the child of God even struggles to get out of bed in the morning and face another day because this thing in my life is so hard. What sort of pain are you experiencing? Do you know what it's like 
for your spiritual life to become stale and dry? Seems to me that the Christian experience is like a roller coaster. Sometimes you're up here, but sometimes you're down here. And it's not nice to be down here, but that's all of our experiences some days. Just feel barren, dry in our spiritual life. And then, of course, day by day, we feel the burden and the weight of our sins and the guilt of our sins. And we can become so worn down by that weight that we feel of the sins that we have committed. Now, those good things we've heard about, those spiritual good things, those and those alone are what build up the city once again, so to speak. They're what repair the broken down soul and take that spiritual life that's stale and dry and to freshen it and to reinvigorate us when we're worn down. Those good things do that so that we can leave church and go out again on a Monday morning And this isn't to say something cute, but it's real. It's using the text. Like that eagle with fresh, beautiful feathers soars from that tree. So we, by the good things that God has given to us and by his almighty grace, we soar again with an energy down the pilgrim pathway that the Lord has given to us. You and I don't need that repair and that strength and that renewal once or twice. We need it really every day. And that's why it's so important that we're in the Word. It's so important as individuals, but as families too. That's why it's so important that we are here in church on a consistent basis, Sunday by Sunday, under the preaching of the gospel, because every day and every Sunday too, my soul needs to be built up again. So what's your response to that? To all that the Lord has given to you. Isn't it the response of verses 1 and 2 of the psalm. And you really have to keep on going back to these verses as you go through the psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You understand that he's taken you from the pit that he's redeemed you with the precious blood of Christ, brought you into the palace, set you down at the table, fed you, satisfied you, and even builds up and repairs your soul day by day. Behold all the things which the Lord has wrought and how good he is to you and to me. And so we say with the psalmist, we can't but say it. Bless the Lord. I'll fall down before him upon my knees. 
praise him, worship him, honor him for all he's done for me. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. Our Father in heaven, that is indeed our response. Praise and thankful worship. Father, we thank thee for thy feeding of us and even for causing us to be satisfied, filled up with the only true bread, Jesus Christ. Thankful, Father, even for that gift of faith whereby we partake of these good things. Indeed, all of it has come from thee. And thou art worthy of all of our praise tonight. And so, Father, send us forth from this place as an eagle, effortlessly and with freedom, soars through the air, cause that we may go, even soar down the Christian path which thou hast given, having been provided for richly by thee. Father, forgive all of our sins, also those times when we have delighted that which we ought not to have, and when we have sought after that which we should not have, and cause that thou alone may be the delight of our hearts. For Jesus' sake, amen. <laughs>